Let's take our Bibles tonight and we'll uh, read about that, how Peter had that occasion in Acts chapter 2. Let's stand together, Acts and chapter number 2. Sure enjoyed the, um, the video presentation of Japan and, and also the testimonies. And I'm thankful that we support the Burgett family and that there have been um, missionaries like the Burgetts, of course, um, Brother Mike and Miss Cindy, but also uh, Brother Larry Burgett, who was here for so many years and, of course, served there. And there's a, a generation serving the Lord. And it's a real blessing that they're having occasion to give witness to Christ there in that land. And I believe anybody that takes five young children to Japan ought to get an extra special crown in heaven. And uh, so that's, that was a blessing. And Tabitha learned to, to make some Japanese food. She shared some with us uh, last, last week. And I'd put a vote in that we ought to have her cook for everybody uh, maybe by next uh, Sunday. That'd be wonderful. Oh, man, I'm telling you, I love Japanese food. So uh, we'll see if we can talk to her about that. Acts chapter 2, verse number 14, if you would please. This is the day of Pentecost, Peter standing. And, uh, of course, we know that he and the others were speaking and, and uh, those about him speaking in known languages, uh, that those Jews that had been scattered around as they came back for this day of Pentecost, Jewish festival, celebrating the first fruits. Well, what we have here is the first spiritual fruits uh, that would come to the church that Jesus started with his disciples and so we read in verse number 14 of chapter 2, uh, talk about a friend day. This was a big day right here. Amen. This, uh, this day was in particular. So chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them. Okay, now I'm going to read uh, tonight through verse 36. And that's going to be our text. And uh, so I'm preaching somebody else's sermon tonight. But it's in the Bible. So that's all right. All right, here we go. Ye men of Judea, and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these men are not drunken, as ye suppose. Remember, they thought that maybe they were drunk, but that's not it. Uh, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, he says it's too early in the morning for that. A little bit of humor in the Bible. It's nine o'clock in the morning, they're not that way. These are men of character, too, anyways. Verse 16, but this is that, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in, look at it now, say it with me, the last days. It'll come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out, so who's pouring out the Spirit? God is, okay. I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. All has to do with Revelation. Verse 18, And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that a blessing? Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's out of Joel. It's also used, of course, in Romans 10 and verse 13. And so he's talking about the Lord. Now what Peter begins to do is he begins to explain who that Lord is. Ye men of Israel... Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, 
a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate council. Uh, determinate council there means the predetermined plan. Whose predetermined plan? God's plan. Being delivered by the predetermined, uh, predetermined council and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Then Peter draws their attention to Psalm and uh, chapter six or Psalm sixteen, and I read in verse twenty-five: For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for He is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou. Wilt not leave my soul in hell. That would be in reference to the grave, the place of the dead. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption or decay. You're, the body's not going to decay. Thou hast made me to know the way, ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he should raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He's seeing this before. Peter says of David, he, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in hell. It was not in the grave. Neither his flesh did see corruption. The body of Jesus did not decay. Verse 32. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this. Now, do you remember back in verse 17, it says that God said, I will pour out my spirit. Here, Peter says that it is Jesus that is poured forth or shed forth the spirit of God, which you now see and hear. So who did it, God or Jesus? Yes, God is Jesus. Jesus is God. Okay, well, you might use that with some cults and see what they think about that. Okay. All right, anyways, verse 34, For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, this is out of Psalm 110, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Verse 36, Peter draws what I believe to be a powerful conclusion. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, that means without a doubt, I want you to know assuredly, that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. Yes, he is. The one you crucified, the one who rose again, the one who's ascended up on high and is at the right hand of God, the place of absolute authority and power, 
He's the Lord. Now, look, Peter said that for a reason. And I want to get to that uh, in the sermon tonight. But I want you to think about this. We all, we are all witnesses. We are all witnesses. All of us are of this Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless the reading of his word. As you're seated, we'll get into the message tonight. I thought Brother Reed Thompson was getting real spiritual after church today. Brother Reed's here tonight. Yep. He said, Brother Gaddis, I think every Sunday ought to be friend day. I thought, man, he got it. He's excited about bringing guests and such. He said, we got out five before 12. <laughs> now, you believe that, Brother Reed? I hate to tell that on you, but it's true, wasn't it? So, Actually, I look for every opportunity to pick on Brother Reed. It's part of our church membership here. So anyways, yep. You know, the truth is, is that really every Sunday is Friend Day, isn't it? A lot of ways. I love Friend Day. It does give us the opportunity to explain the gospel, to try to make it very, very clear. I was praying that way. In fact, I just want to say to you as a church, thanks so much for praying for uh, for your pastor as he preaches and and uh, for others that preach, and just to try to make the gospel message uh, very plain, I appreciate had occasion to say something to Brother Charlie Goforth, and I want to say thank you to Miss Karen as well for a clear salvation testimony. I believe it's so helpful uh, for the folks who are here. Um, I mentioned this morning we had over 300 Friend Day cards signed. Over 300. Now we had 50 adults who came, and I, I'm not sure you know how many of those you know were teens and such as that that were of the 300, but that's really significant. And, you know, whether or not people came or not, uh, they were contacted for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the gospel. And so our uh, efforts uh, were not in vain. That, I believe that's, that's certainly for sure. And and uh, was flying back yesterday morning, but I heard that we had a great turnout for the across-the-street effort and people coming out and knocking doors and inviting uh, some to come. And that's really a blessing. You know, but I, I was just thinking about tonight in light of our passage and, and what God allowed us to be a part of here this weekend, that, that this, is, uh, this is what I want you to think about. It is a privilege to have the opportunity to get to explain the gospel. I mean, it's just a privilege to get the opportunity to try, with God's help, mind you, with God's help, to try to explain the gospel. Um, let, let me focus on that here a little bit. Explaining is the work of a witness, isn't it? Somebody's given a witness and they're explaining what happened. They're explaining what is going on. So I looked the word up, explain. It means to give details. It means to make clear, to clarify, to put in plain words. To put in plain words. Had occasion this past week to preach a missions conference at Sock Trail Baptist Temple uh, in the southern uh, part of Chicago, that area. And uh, their theme, uh, Brother Bruce Humbert, you know, he preached here. And, and uh, their theme was this, commit to teach others. Out of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2, commit to teach others. And uh, Miss Mary Herman is uh, a lady that travels around and teaches other ladies and teaches uh, 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 workers how to teach children and taught for 31 years at Baptist Bible College and just a dear lady and taught my wife and others and and uh, she's been very much involved in teaching. And she pointed out something in her testimony that, you know, the commission is a teaching commission. 
Go into all the world and teach all nations. That means make disciples of them. And then uh, she pointed out how that it says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So the point being that if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, we've got to do a lot of teaching. We've got to do a lot of explaining. There may be some things that you and I take for granted that we've maybe known all our life because we've grown up in church that there's other people who have not had that privilege that need somebody to take some time to explain to them some things from the Bible. And so we are commissioned by God to do some explaining. You ever have some explaining to do? Well, I'm sure you've been in some situations like that. Uh, Yeah, you've got some explaining to do, but I'm not talking about that tonight. I'm talking about the work of a missionary is to explain. Our work in soul winning and discipleship is to explain. And so I I thank God tonight for those uh, who have explained some spiritual things to me in my life. And I'm sure you could give testimony as well of those who explained some things. Peter stood on this day of Pentecost, and his, it was his place, it was his part, his privilege to stand and to explain what was going on. These men were speaking in, in other languages and, of course, known languages, and he had a occasion to speak and explain what was taking place then. There was a lot of confusion. Some said these men are intoxicated, and, and obviously that wasn't the situation, so he had some explaining to do. But the main thing that he needed to explain Of course, in addition to that situation, as the Holy Spirit came upon them, was also who Jesus was, who Jesus really was. And I like how Peter just put it in plain words. Isn't it remarkable that God used Peter, a man who denied him, a man who had failed him? Isn't it remarkable that God gives any of us another opportunity? And here is Peter, who had failed the Lord who had denied the Lord, and yet on this day, he stood to explain who Jesus was. He did not deny him. He gave good explanation to him and of him. And so I want to look at Peter's explanation and not take a lot of time to do so. It it certainly could merit quite a bit more time than what we're going to give to it tonight, just the various parts of it, but just in a very broad overview as as to what Peter was explaining and to see what it meant to them then, and then what does it mean to us now? As Peter began to explain what was taking place here on this day of Pentecost. In verse 14 through 21, as we saw, he was explaining what the sign meant as far as the Holy Spirit coming upon them. And he quoted from the book of Joel, and and if you wanted to jot this passage down, you could read it later. It would be Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 32. And so if we uh, look again there in verse number uh, 16, Peter says, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And he mentions how that uh, the sons and daughters, the young men and old men and, and the servants and handmaids. And so he's indicating that this is a sign. Here's what, here's what Peter is saying. He's saying this, God has continued with his program. God has continued with his, with his plan. Hey, listen, the, the things that uh, take place in this life, it may look like it's out of control, but when we're talking about a sovereign God, even though things may look like they're out of, out of our control, and they most certainly would be, they're not out of God's control. And so Peter stands up that day and says, look, this is, exact, this is going exactly like what God planned it to go. In fact, 
all of them would have understood the prophecy of Joel. They would understand that, that this is going to take place in the last days. Can I say to you tonight, you and I are in the last days. You see, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake to the prophets, spake by the prophets, hath in these last days spoke to us by his Son. You see, the last day started when Jesus came. So technically we are in the last days, according to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. And also what Paul said, that know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. My friend, I'm telling you, all you got to do is just look around and see we're right there. Now, we're not in the tribulation period, and, there's, and thus there are segments of the last days. But what Peter is saying is simply this. This is happening right according to God's timetable. The Holy Spirit comes, has come, just like God said that it would do. Like God said it would, like the Spirit of God would come, as, as prophesied by Joel in Joel chapter 2. He references that. Now, it's not saying that the Spirit initiated the last days. But the Spirit's coming indicated that we are in the last days. Does everybody get that? The Spirit of God coming did not usher in the last days. Again, Jesus coming brought in the last days. But the fact that the Spirit of God comes and came on the day of Pentecost is an indication, a verification, that, that we are in the last days. Okay? Didn't initiate it. It just indicated it. So what Peter is saying is this, look, what you see happening right now is backed up by the Word of God. What you see happening right now is a direct fulfillment of what's happening, uh, what God prophesied would happen in the Word of God. Now, I, I just want to point out a little side note here. Here's Peter, who is filled with the Holy Ghost, and he's using the Word of God. A lot of characters who run around claiming to be filled with the Holy Ghost... Twist or don't use the Bible at all. But if a man is truly filled with the Holy Spirit of God, he'll use the Bible correctly. And so that's what Peter is doing. I just thought that was a good side note. If you didn't, then that's fine. But I just thought it would, would get across there that you, you turn your TV on and somebody's like speaking in tongues and claiming that the Spirit of God said to him this and it completely contradicts what the Bible said. Turn it off. Phony baloney right there, my friend. That is not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is not going to lead a man to contradict himself in the Word of God. And so Peter stands up and says, look, what has taken place here is in direct fulfillment to Joel. Now, if you keep reading as we did, and he said, look, there's going to be signs and, and wonders in heaven and in the earth, and the, and the sun is going to be, uh, is going to be turned uh, into darkness and the moon into blood, and some, some try to uh, say that that's, that was taken took place during the days of Christ or shortly thereafter in AD 70 and so forth. But really, when you take a real good look at Joel and what happens there and what is prophesied to come, and you look at what happened at Pentecost and you look at other passages, then you'd have to come to this conclusion, that part hasn't happened yet. That part has to do with the great day of the Lord. The next thing on the agenda... The next thing according to Scripture is the rapture of the church. When the church is raptured out of here, then the, seven, the three and a half years of peace comes. But then at the end of that time, when, when the covenant is broken, and that would be a, another whole discussion, but just let me get to the point here to say, but the time of great tribulation comes upon the earth. Look, God is, has already said, I'm going to pour out my wrath upon the nations. The unrepentant, 
unregenerate nations, the, the, the people who have rejected God, God is saying there's coming a time, according to the prophet Joel, there's coming a time I'm going to pour out my spirit. There's coming a time I'm going to pour out my wrath. Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and says this, God, watch, God has poured out his spirit. That would indicate if that has happened, this will happen. Do you get it? Okay, if you don't, I'm going to have to start all over. All right? Peter is standing up this day and saying, look, this has happened. God has poured out his spirit. Now, the pouring out of the spirit would mean that this is still the day of grace. There's an opportunity to be saved. There is coming a day of wrath. When, when God will judge the earth and pour out his wrath. But right now, it's a day of grace. The Spirit of God has come. And if, it was, if this has happened, then surely that will happen. And it's just a matter of time. See, prophecy oftentimes does that. God will give a prophecy in the Old Testament. And it, 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 to us, it seems like, well, it's supposed to all just happen all at once. Just whammo. But that's where it comes in that according to Ephesians chapter 3, how that the church was a mystery to the Jews. They did not get that. You can read that later also. You're going to be doing a lot of Bible reading here after the sermon, no doubt. But you read in Joel and then you read in Ephesians chapter 3 that the church was a mystery. Listen, we are in this time period right now that is a day of grace. It's a, it's a time when God has poured out His Spirit upon sons and daughters and, and old men and young women and on servants alike. Hey, listen, here's what that prophecy is saying. Listen, when, when the Spirit of God comes, evidence of that is that it's upon all people, regardless of their gender, regardless of their age, regardless of their nationality. When a person is saved, they receive the Spirit of God. And what is happening here on the day of Pentecost, God has given a visible sign that the Spirit of God has come. Now, we know, please, we don't have to go into all this to get the, the point either, but, but we know that there's going to come a time when tongues, revelatory gifts given by the Spirit, would cease once we have the Word of God. But in this day and age, when a person is saved, they are, they are in, I'm sorry, they are in Christ, they are placed in Christ by the Spirit of God. We're in this day of grace right now. But here's what Peter's getting across. Time is short. Now is the outpouring of the Spirit, but there's coming the outpouring of wrath. But whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved from what? Wrath. Peter is indicating, look, there's coming a day of wrath. Can you imagine Peter standing up with great boldness on that day and saying, yes, this is wonderful. This is being fulfilled. God is doing what he said he would do. But listen, you better know this just as much as this is a, a blessing that God is revealing his will to you, that you also must know that God holds man accountable, my friend, and a day of wrath is coming. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Let me tell you about that Lord, Peter said on that day. Let me tell you who I'm talking about specifically. Jesus of Nazareth. A man, as he says there, who was, uh, as he uses the word, approved of God, accredited by God, showed to be genuine by God, by signs and miracles that you saw. This was not done in secret. You saw this to be the case. You saw the miracles that God did. 
and people might say, yes, I saw those miracles. But look, Elijah did miracles. Others did miracles. But they didn't do the volume of miracles that Jesus did. Well, they might say this. Well, wait a minute. Hang on. Wait. Whoa. If he did miracles and God approved of him, then why did he get crucified? It's a good question. So Peter then begins to deal with that. He said, you crucified him. It was according to the plan of God. No, no, wait a minute. Peter's saying, look, this didn't happen by accident. This didn't happen without God knowing about it. In fact, the sovereign God planned it. Jesus died according to the will of God for you and for me. He was buried. But Peter said the grave couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't hold on. It, its grasp was broken. And, and so he says, look, here's why that is. Jesus is the Messiah. And he goes to Psalm 16 and how that David wrote, how that thou wilt not allow thine holy one to see corruption. He's not going to decay. Now, Peter says, wait a minute. Did David write this about himself? Well, the obvious answer is no. Why? David was buried. He died. He was buried. He's still here. His body has seen corruption. He must not have written it about himself. Instead, he wrote it about somebody else. And the one he wrote it about has... Watch this now. I think this will all come together here if you'll, if you'll uh, catch this. He must be writing this about someone else. Who else would he be writing this about? Well, in Psalm 132... I'm telling you, Peter's using a lot of Bible here. I guess when you preach, you ought to use a lot of Bible. He's using some Bible here and he's saying, look, in Psalm 132, God promised to David that of his seed, one would continue on the throne. So there must be somebody from the seed of David that's going to continue ever on the throne that's not going to die. And so there must be someone who has conquered death. Jesus rose from the grave to indicate that he was the Messiah, not to become the Messiah. He always was the Messiah, the promised one of God. And so he had to rise again. He could not stay in the grave because he was destined to be the king of Israel. And he will have a literal kingdom someday upon the earth. But he was nonetheless and still is the Messiah, the Christ. And so he said he could not stay in the grave because he had to reign. So he came forth. And I'm glad to tell you today, not only did he come forth from the grave, but he ascended up on high. And right now, you men of Israel, please catch what I'm saying. As Peter said, let me speak freely to you about this. Let me speak boldly to you about this. Can you hear the urgency in, in Peter's voice and in his heart and, and the passion that he has? He says, let me, let me speak to you. I want you to understand this, that this same Jesus that you crucified was buried and he rose again and he's ascended up to the heavens and he's at the right hand of God in a place of absolute authority and power. In fact, he uses the Bible again in Psalm 110 and verse 1 and 2. He says, the Lord, all caps, Jehovah said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Did David say this about himself? The obvious answer Peter would say was absolutely not. He wasn't talking about himself because David didn't ascend up on high and is at the right hand of the Father. It must be somebody else. Who else could it be but Jesus? Hmm. Verse 36. Therefore, 
Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and what? Christ. He made Jesus, he acknowledged, he, he, he made known here that he, Jesus, the one that you crucified, is Lord and Christ. Verse 37, it says that when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Why? Because they crucified their Messiah. They crucified, got rid of the one who wanted them. And they were pricked in their hearts. What is uh, Peter's message all about? Well, as we saw early on, Peter's message explained that the Spirit's coming indicates that we are in the last days and then that they should therefore call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Time is short. You better be saved now. And you better call on the name of the Lord. Who is the Lord? Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, ascended, and coming again. He's the Lord you need to call upon in order to be saved. So, here's the point. Time is short. You better be saved. There's only one way to be saved, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are witnesses of Him. Now, here we are in the year 2012. You ever feel like sometimes time is just going by real slow? Oh, well, I don't know if you're older, you're saying, no, not at all now. It's actually going quite quickly. But there's some others, you know, looking forward to a Thanksgiving break. And they're thinking, my soul, is it ever going to get here? I was flying home uh, yesterday, and, and I looked out the plane. And I don't know what altitude we were at at that point. Just uh, took off from O'Hare and going up, up, up. And before we went through the clouds until I couldn't see any more, I was looking down, and I thought, man, I can run faster than this. <laughs> you know, you look down, and you think, man, this is not going fast at all. It's just like... But then you try to drive it, and you realize you're going pretty fast. You look at world history, it doesn't look like things are going quickly. But God is moving things along, church. He's already set some things in motion. He said Jesus would come, he'd came again. he came. He said that the Holy Spirit of God would come, the Holy Spirit of God has come. He said the church would be in place... But he said he'd come again, and he's going to come again. And he said that he's going to judge the world, and he's going to judge the world. And he said he's going to come again in great power and glory and set up a kingdom. And what he's going to do is he's going to come in great power and great glory to set up a kingdom. You can mark it down. If he did this and this and this, and we can look at a lot of other parts of history. He did this and this and this and this and this, and then he gave the Spirit on this day. And right now it just kind of seems like things are just kind of going slowly. Everything continues like it has ever since the beginning of the creation. They'd say, and uh, as Peter would point out, that some say they'd scoff and say, ah, oh, all that prophecy stuff, nothing's going to happen. I'm telling you, Peter stood on that day and said, look, this has happened. It is fulfilling what God said. There's a day of wrath coming, and you better be saved, and there's only one way to be saved. Call on the name of the Lord. And who is that Lord? Jesus Christ. Here's the point tonight. Time is short. We don't know how much time we have left here. In the meantime, it's good we had a friend day.
You know why? Somebody could come here this morning and not make it through the rest of the week in their own life. Hey, uh, Brother Bill Austin was telling me that they had a service and a, and a lady that was there at the retirement center was in the service during that time and then passed away after she got back to the room, just like that. You never know. Hey, I'm telling you, church, Jesus could come tonight. Jesus could come tomorrow. Jesus could come by the end of the week. And you and I are saying, well, praise the Lord, even so, come Lord Jesus. Some of you are thinking, man, that would get me out of a final. That would get me out of a test. That would be great. I wouldn't have to go to work. Hallelujah, I'm with you. I mean, even so, come Lord Jesus. But look, here's what we've got to get tonight. Time is short. We don't have a lot of time. God is moving things along. He knows what the time is. Here's what we've got to do. Witness. Witness. Every day, listen, it can't just be a program that we do on a Tuesday night or on a Saturday morning. It can't be a program. Do you see here that, that what Luke is doing is he's giving us some, some, some characteristics of those who would witness and one of them would be this urgency. I'm not convinced that you and I, as we go through our day-to-day lives, because we get distracted by all kinds of things, I'm not convinced that we are as urgent, maybe, as what we ought to be. Now, I'm not saying that we ought to run out of here tonight and act like a bunch of wild whatever and, and just run up and down the road. No, 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 not at all. But I think there needs to be an urgency about us. I think there needs to be a boldness about us. I, I believe tonight that there needs to be a passion about us, that it's not just a program, but it's a passion, that it's a way of life that whoever God brings my way, I want to try to share Christ with them because time is short. He's coming again. Jesus is who he said he was. He's the Lord. He's the Messiah. And he's, he's in, of, of great power and great glory and at the right hand of the Father. What do we have to hold back? Absolutely nothing. Share Christ. Brother Reed, let's make every Sunday a friend day. Getting out at 12.15. All right? Yep. It's good we had a friend day, church. I love it. You know, and somebody might say, well, if we had every Sunday as a friend day, then it would lose its special whatever. I understand that. But the truth is this. We need to have that same passion day by day, week by week in bringing people to Christ. I appreciate this. There's a man that I met this uh, week and uh, he was digging a trench at Sock Trail Baptist Temple to put in the church sign to run the electricity to Lighted up back in 1978, I believe it was, or 79. And Pastor Bruce Humbert, I'm sure, kept a busy schedule. But he saw a man out there digging a trench. And more than they needed a church sign, that man needed Christ. With a sense of urgency, he went out there and led that man to Christ. He's been in that church ever since. We ate at his house on Friday morning, had all the missionaries over. A generous man, kind man, loves missions, has a family member over in China. I'm telling you, God did a great work. I'm thankful that, uh, that somebody that probably keeps a pretty busy schedule could say, you know, that man needs Christ. There's somebody around you that needs Christ. Time is short. We are all witnesses. We are all 
witnesses. Every one of us. The opportunity to give witness to Christ. Father, we pray you'd help us. Lord, when we look at the number of people in the world, it's overwhelming. I think of Brother Jonathan Burgett's words about Japan. Dear God, it's in uh, your word that time is short. We want to make the most of the time that we have. There are people here who have a lost family member, a lost co-worker, a lost friend. God, I pray that you'd give them the boldness, the urgency, the compassion. I think of the compassion that Peter had. Here were the people that crucified the Savior, and yet there was compassion. There was hope that they could be saved. There was confidence that they could be saved, and thus there was persuasion. I pray, dear God, that you give us that same unction, that same desire to see folks come to Christ. And, Lord, we know that you can do it, and I pray that you'd use us. Thank you for what you've done today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.